0: So I'm super excited to let all of our listeners know that we have our first sponsor. And this is a big deal for me. It's a big deal in many ways, but the most important thing is that I wouldn't choose a sponsor that I didn't believe in. And our sponsor is Denny Tato. She is the president of Corporate Consciousness and she uses a tool called the Enneagram. And if you don't know what the Enneagram is, it's an amazing assessment and it really helps in building emotional intelligence. I've used it. My husband has used it. I've recommended it to teams and to clients. But it's not just the tool. It's really more than that. It's Denny. Denny has this innate ability to coach teams and individuals. I know this because I coach others too. So take it from me. She's pretty amazing. So if you want to develop your greatest asset, your employees, you're ready to take it to the next level, check out corpconsciousness.com.
1: So often what we watch is the person that generated the wealth in that family, if the family isn't careful, they will deify that person and that person's values then will become what you're supposed to become. Failing. 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 I know. When we talk
0: about failure. Some
1: battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's
0: tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown.
1: There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream.
0: And then what we do with them. And this is Failing Forward. I'm so excited to have John Lame. John is the CEO and chairman both of Lennox Wealth Management and of Untapped. We'll get into both of what those are. Welcome, John.
1: Thank you, Sarah. I'm just <laughs> delighted to be here. Today. I'm so
0: happy you're here too.
1: We should have a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, we are going to have a lot of fun. We've done this we once always before. Have a lot of fun. Yeah. So, listeners, I've been helping John with his podcast called Untapped, which we'll get into in a minute. But John. John has been that person for me when I needed almost like a little bit of a guardian angel to lift me up. Um, it was when Blown was, oh, my God.
1: It just blew up. in the shitter. <laughs> Pardon my French. Blown blew it, up. Yeah,
0: Blown blew up. And um, John was one of the people, and there, there were others, but who gave me hope during that time because I was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. I couldn't see possibility. And you did that for me. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay, John, we always start with tell us where you grew up. Give us a little bit about family of
1: origin. Um, Cincinnati native. Uh, grew up in Mount Lookout. Uh, went to Cardinal Pacelli grade school and then uh, went to St. X after that and then to the University of Cincinnati. And then eventually went to night school and got an MBA at Xavier.
0: Oh, my God, Catholic through and through yeah. all the way, all grades. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, oldest, youngest, siblings? Oh,
1: I'm the middle. I'm the middle child. And uh, I had an older brother that was about four years older than than me, and I have a younger brother four years younger. And so as you look at, at childhood, you— You you kind of fought a lot because there was such a big age difference between all three of us. Yeah. And so it was kind of interesting growing up because we were roughing each other up a lot. But it was fun.
0: (laughs) So you just said you had an older brother and you have a younger brother.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, actually lost my older brother when he was age 33. He had gone through a long 10-year period of depression And uh, he had something called retinitis pigmentosa. So ultimately, he was going to go blind. (gasps) And so he was dealing with that. And he had already had hearing problems. And so just just wasn't a happy guy for a long time. So it was sad when we lost him. But um, one of the things that happens when you have a family member go through suicide, you eventually get to the other side of it and recognize they were just in that much pain. And so,
0: so, I have not had a friend, I haven't even had a close family member who lost somebody to suicide. I haven't okay. even lost it. I would guess that it's very different than losing somebody to cancer or to whatever. What's the difference?
1: Yeah. And I, what's the
0: mourning look like?
1: Yeah, sir. I, for families that go through it, um, in a lot of cases, there's been a lot of pain and suffering there for years. And the suicide is an endpoint where the person mm-hmm. just just couldn't get out of bed another day, and uh, and the easiest thing to do was to eliminate the pain and, and take his life. And it, I think one of the best things that happened is our whole stoic German family, you know, mm-hmm. went into counseling after he did take his life, and uh, we grew through it, you know, and we got okay. Yeah. But it it takes work because everybody kind of says, well, could I have saved him? You know, could I have been the difference that day or that week? Right. You know, could I have spoken something to him that would have changed the direction of his life? But, you know, as you sort through it, uh, in in our particular case, it was well calculated. He knew what he wanted to do, he was thoughtful and caring about how he did it. And uh, it's what he wanted. And at some point, you know, Everybody has an individual choice of whether they're going to get out of bed tomorrow morning. And so you work through that.
0: What do you think about um, suicide-assisted death? I know his wasn't assisted, but, I mean, do you have a thought on that?
1: Yeah. You know, Sarah, that's that's a deep one. It's deeper than I am. You know, I think all I can do is speak in terms of what it was like for our family. Um, I think one of the toughest things is... um, you know my mom. You know yeah. that there's a hole in her heart that's mm-hmm. there today, and and will be there the rest of her life. And you know there isn't a year that goes by. He he took his life on or around Valentine's Day, and so you know every Valentine's Day I call mom up and just say mm-hmm. I love you, and uh, I know you miss Chuck, and Chuck. he's in a better place. Yeah, you know, and that's that's how you resolve it. That's how you find a peace with it. Yeah. You Know and and just it's like any other, you know, death. I, I happened to lose my father at 49. How, you know? wait,
0: how old were you when you lost Chuck?
1: Uh, I was probably uh 29, 29. Okay, at that point. so yeah.
0: 29 for Chuck, yeah, and then 49 for your dad.
1: Well, dad was 49 oh, and I was 49. 19. Oh, okay, at that time, yeah. And, uh, you, you know, what you what you learn when you go through those kind of events is there is going to be a better day tomorrow. You have to work at it. Yeah. And then you learn to tell the stories. You know, you learn to remember the things that really, you know, make you laugh and, and uh, <laughs> remind you of how much you love that person. I, I think the other thing that's so important as you get through it is you have to get back to gratitude. Yeah. You have to recognize that you... You weren't entitled to have that person in your life. That it was that person in your life was a gift from God, and that you need to 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 see the gratitude for that person. And uh, you know, when you first go through it, you're angry. You know, you're you're mad. Mm-hmm. Something that you thought you were entitled to was taken from you. And the best way I have found personally to heal from it is to get to that other side to realize that. You were graced by that person being in your life, um, that there's a bigger plan, bigger than you, of how long that person was there and why right. they were taken. And, and you just have to look for the gratitude and the goodness on the other side of it.
0: So that really took me a long time, um, probably for my dad. But then when my mom passed away, it was easier. And I found I've been able to get to that gratitude place quicker than I did with losing him. Because finally, I was like, I'm so sick of being sad about it. Like, I want to be happy about the memories that I have. Last night, we went and saw Hello, Dolly. I went with a girlfriend. And <laughs> it brought back the warm and fuzzies because my parents used to listen to that album on the record player. And just those songs were like, I don't know, brought back really great
1: Isn't that a wonderful memories. story? But it's grounded but it's and she yeah. lost her husband.
0: That's right
1: and that's she's right. sorting through that and trying to figure out what's next and yeah. she actively speaks to him and 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 that's one of the cool things that I found Sarah is I can literally pull my dad or my brother into the room at any time if I want to talk to him I can and uh kind of weirds everybody out around me but but you know at the no. end of the day yeah. you know you go back and think about where they added the most value in your life and you just bring them back in and have that conversation. Well, so. somebody
0: told me that, um, and this is a little woo-woo, but I, I, I don't think they told me, I think I listened to it on a podcast or something, that when you, like at work, if I'm working on something sales related, bring in somebody that I knew, like my dad, who was great at sales and ask them for insight or for help throughout the day. So I started to do it and it, it has helped. Isn't that neat? Yeah. And it brings back it bring it reminds me of what they were good at, or in some cases, makes me think of things that they were i I didn't remember that they were good at, blah blah, blah, blah blah. So yeah,
1: yeah, it's all good,
0: yeah, okay. so 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 your dad, so nineteen hits, mm-hmm. and that's a really formative year, and your dad passes away, yep. And what shifts? For you personally, well,
1: I I think you have to go back and and when I think of you know Chuck taking his life and and Dad, um, the tough part of that story is they're related. So, my my father had worked at Procter and Gamble, and I can remember several years where we were at Coney Island for dividend day, and and the the Christmas box would come in. And they were just years of a lot of stability, mm-hmm. and he he actually uh, decided to leave P and G, um, and he he uh, he made three career moves, and unfortunately,
0: after P and G, he made
1: three, yeah, and they they didn't work out well, and so the family you know went through, you know pretty difficult financial situation. Now, I, I, there's a certain irony to growing up in Mount Lookout and saying that you've gone through a tough time financially. But but the reality was that, uh, you know, we, we did go through a tough period. And, you know, and I can remember cutting lawns to pay my way through St. X High mm-hmm, School mm-hmm. and sweating those bills and, uh, you know, just trying to figure it out. And you know, uh, worked for Myra's Grocery delivering groceries and drove a school bus and did whatever I had to to basically figure out how to pay those bills.
0: Okay, so can you talk a little bit about how you took that mind, sh- mind shift around famine and then to abundance around money? Because today you're very financially successful and, and I'd say wealth inside and out. Right? How do you shift that? Because some people, it's like the rich dad, poor dad book. Right? Somebody could be get could be stuck in the poor dad mentality. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that.
1: No, you're exactly right. You know, Sarah, it's it's funny. Um, I remember all my buddies. You know, they didn't they didn't have to worry about the things I was worrying about back at that period of time. And I just kept thinking how lucky they were and how unlucky I was. And then one day I woke up probably in my late 20s and realized that I was the one blessed. That these challenges I had gone through earlier in life, I had grown a lot. Mm -hmm. And I developed a good work ethic. I learned how to set priorities and get things done in a shorter period of time. Um, and, And I figured out how to constantly grow my income and And so, in many ways, working my way through the system was the best thing I ever had. and and it and it's interesting today, you know, um and I don't think most people know this, but like Susie's dad, you know her 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 grandfather had Parkinson's in his early thirties. What? Yeah, yeah. And so Susie's dad and her uncle both worked their way through, you know, high school, worked their way through college. And, and, and so what you find is often out of that adversity, you, you, you grow a lot, yeah, and you become a better person through it. And so I know when when my kids started to go through school, we we easily could have afforded to pay for the whole thing, right. But we didn't do it that way. I we, know
0: I love that. What did you have them do for college?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it was a 50/50 partnership, you know. And the, and the deal was you save a dollar, we'll match it on the spot and you get a scholarship dollar we'll match that you know and uh, and each of the kids got through school in a different way you know one one was academic another was on an athletic scholarship you know and uh, there it's funny when they have to find that money and figure it out yeah. i think they make better decisions with your money and theirs, and theirs and i think they grow a lot sooner. i i i, re- I remember the tears that the kids would have the first year we'd say hey to get your check to get your match you have to do a budget and, and our kids would have fall year freshmen you know they had to come up with those budget numbers <laughs> so great <laughs> but but it you know they grew through it yeah and and uh i think they're they're better today because of it so you have to be careful how much you you know you you, you give the people around you mm-hmm. you you want to Make their lives better, but you don't want to be an enabler and you don't want to hurt their growth because you're giving them too much.
0: So, um, did you ever have like a pinnacle point with regards to how do you change that mindset from, you know, famine to abundance?
1: I, I, I think. Or it, was it just progress I, like I, over time? I, I, I think you definitely have major events in your life.
0: What were those? Which
1: require courage. Which require you to go do something different. And uh, I, I think the one that really stands out for me so, dad having left PNG, you know, I went to work there and I was there for 12 years and then, you know, really kind of began to understand I wasn't happy
0: there. Yeah.
1: And uh, I, I, I can remember, and, and it was tough, Sarah, because Chuck had passed. He had taken his life mm-hmm. right in that window where I was trying to make the decision. And then uh, one of my best friends in, in life is Dave Cassidy. And Dave had a sister, uh, Barb Cassidy Fry. And uh, for many people that grew up in High Park and Mount Lookout, you probably knew one of the Fry kids because there were a lot of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she ended up getting cancer and dying at 51. And so Dad died at 49 of cancer. And all of a sudden, I just said to myself, I, I can't stay at p and I'm not happy there. Yeah. Life is is short right you have you have to find your own happiness but you have to have the courage to go for it yeah and so um, it was hard but I made that decision and thank God I had all the support I had from Susie to make that decision but with four kids and a mortgage that was probably too big you know I left PNG and went into a commission sales job at Merrill Lynch Which was kind of fun. I went from having my own office at P and (laughs) G to being in the boardroom with about fifteen other people (laughs) as a rookie broker.
0: (laughs) You definitely learned some grit there. I'm guessing.
1: I I I did. I I did. But 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 you
0: had that grit from high school. Come on. Yeah,
1: I think a lot of it just because of working my way through school. Yeah, it was just it was another decision that needed to be made.
0: So that was a pivotal moment. Was yeah. there another pivotal moment?
1: Um, well, well it, it, Sarah, it's interesting because I, I think as a person chooses to grow, they're going to continue to hit those pivotal moments. So yeah. um, I think the other pivotal moment was um, y- you know when we left Merrill Lynch and went to another firm called J.C. Bradford. Okay. And, um, uh, again, difficult decision. Uh, it was the right decision for our clients and the business at the time, but it required that we, um, you know, basically move our whole practice from one firm to another and sit down and explain each client why they would be better off. Right. And, uh, you know, I think it was a gutsy decision. And at the same time, uh, there was a little bit of a, a disagreement over the employment agreement with Merrill Lynch. And uh, we ended up in a courtroom to work that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a temporary restraining order for a few weeks, you know, where we weren't allowed to contact clients. And uh, it, it took a team of people all deeply committed to that change to yeah. get it to work. And, and uh, I, again, I look back, and I'm glad I did that. But, um, you know, that was an important pivot moment for me. Um, I think the other important pivot moment was you know, 15, 16 years ago, um, made the decision to, to leave UBS, which is a fine firm right. with lots of good advisors, but but decided that I wanted to go independent and create my own firm. I wanted to be a fiduciary fee-only investment advisor. And so um, what I did at that point is um, we started up really a registered investment advisor, a multifamily office, as an independent, and, and that's uh, Linux. Yeah,
0: the most recent pivotal moment is Untapped. Yeah, so let's. I, I am obsessed with this business. So why don't you share what it is?
1: Yeah, so um, we we sat down about three or four years ago and said, "Are, are we really adding enough value for clients?" And, and we were doing a lot of great stuff. I mean, you know, we, we're very accomplished sure. in financial planning. Yeah. We really help our clients think through their tax situation with their tax advisors. We're strong investment advisors. You, you know, we've done an awful lot right. But we, we asked the question, how are we really going to bring more value to our clients over the next 10 or 15 years? Right. And so when we looked at... Um, at what we were doing, we were good, doing a good job of managing people's financial assets. But we said, "Wait a minute, the, the financial assets are just outcomes." You know what? What is really going on with our clients in terms of them identifying their gifts and really getting those gifts into the right business model and in the right role, and them adding more value for other people? And can we really help them with that? As part of the other discussions that we're having. And we, we came up with a whole new concept that we call wealth creation. And, and so we do assessments, help people figure out where they're gifted, um, help them figure out growth plans for skills, knowledge, experience, and very important, do they have the right relationships in their life? Yes. And, and it's so often when we sit down with someone and say, what's the plan to double your value that you bring to the market? we begin to find out that they don't have multipliers in front of them or multipliers behind them.
0: So let's talk about that, because I'm a huge advocate, I totally believe, in this concept of relationships. Can you give an example of that?
1: Sure. So first of all, let me give some credit to Peg Rupert. Um, Peg has a wonderful company that impacts a lot of lives here in Cincinnati. And uh, she invited uh, Susie and I to go to a, a multipliers event that she had.
0: Yeah, I've been to it. It's awesome. And
1: then, and, and, yeah. and 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 it's just basically some mental models that help you think through, you know, who really subtracts from you, and and more importantly, who 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 do you multiply and who multiplies you back, right? And uh, we we have this um, concept that we uh, have from Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach called. You know, what are your 10-year relationships? And so when we do assessments with people, we'll sit down and and we'll figure out, well, you know, where are you just incredibly strong? But on the other hand, where do you need help from other people? Mm-hmm. And how do we map into that? So I mean, one of the best examples I can give you is I have somebody we're working with right now, and they're incredibly talented, but but they've been a band of one for a long time. And right. I looked down the other day and I said, look at what you've accomplished on your own. But if we could get you to think more broadly yeah. and to start to form relationships with people that really can help you, look at where we can take your game. And it was really interesting because this particular person, when you listen to their life story, Sarah, tremendous giver. And they had accumulated a lot of credits Around them, from yes. people that they had taken care of. Yeah. But but it was really interesting. But
0: they weren't withdrawing any of those credits. They, they
1: weren't, and and they weren't comfortable sitting down with those folks and saying, hey, this is where I'm trying to go over the next three years. Would you be interested in maybe helping me? Yeah. And, and so I think a big part of the coaching that we'll go through with them is how to guide them through that.
0: So what's great about Untapped is you have coaching, one-on-one coaching, but you're also going to have a master class that you can do online do. For, for that as well. Yeah. Um, but Dave and I, my husband and I, were one of your first
1: pilots. We loved it.
0: <laughs> and... It was not only great – this sounds like this is like a commercial right now, but it was not only great for us individually, but it was great for us as a couple to go through the process, to take the assessments, and then to understand where each other's strengths were and where each other's opportunities were as well.
1: It, isn't it a blast? I mean, Su- Susie and I went through the same battery of tests years ago, and, and it was like all of a sudden we looked at each other and we went –
0: I kind of oh, knew that.
1: Right. But I don't think we ever played towards those strengths on a consistent basis. Yeah. And when I think of how incredibly productive and effective we are with each other today yes. w- versus where we were 10 years ago, um, and that's not to say we were at a low level 10 years ago because we were doing a lot. Yeah. But I, I just think it just works so much better. We pass the ball back and forth. We know when to ask the other person to step in. We also know when the other person isn't the answer and we're not the answer. And so that's really helped us.
0: And maybe share with listeners why, because you can connect it back to your dad, but why is this work so important to oh, you?
1: yeah. Thanks, Sarah. So I, I think you you know that our, our core theory right now is that the Fortune 500 companies that we've grown so – dependent on over the years we think that many of them will go through a 10 to 15 year cycle where they reduce their headcount to mm-hmm. just on average take their headcount down approximately 5% per year and and they're going to redefine what's inside those companies and what's outside and and I think of it it, it won't be quite as as significant but when you think of years ago significant part of the U.S. population worked on the farms and then eventually, you know, as new technology hit the farms...
0: They moved into manufacturing or... Yeah,
1: people moved into the cities or moved into manufacturing or found other career paths. And at first, I'm sure it was very scary, but look at the success of many of the people that left farms and then eventually went into other parts of the economy. Mm -hmm. We think that same kind of significant transformation is coming. So when I think about Cincinnati, you know, we are very dependent on some of our largest employers. It's General Electric, it's Procter and Gamble, it's Kroger, Kroger, AK Steel, and we're watching each of those companies hit different cycles right now and have to rethink how they bring value to the marketplace and what their headcount needs to be and what's inside and what's outside. And so when I think about my dad I just don't think he had anybody that he could go to back during that period of time when he left Proctor to get really sound career and financial yeah. advice so he could make better decisions. decisions. So it, it was funny I I I got to my mid 50s, you know, 7 years ago and and um, I kept looking at myself saying, is this it? You know, is yeah. this, you, you know, because when you work in a large corporation, especially like a proctor, you're used to everybody kind of checking out in their, you know, mid to late 50s. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, financially, I know I've got it nailed. And, and we can afford to do a lot of wonderful things like travel and have a second home. But is that all the value that I'm supposed to bring to the world? Right. And and I kept thinking, maybe there's something more. I need to go from a career to really a calling. And there was a John Maxwell book called Intentional Living that had big impact on me. And it got me to go back and take an inventory of those life events. Yes. You know, that had the biggest impact on me and say, what am I supposed to bring back? And so this is when I started thinking about dad and and then start to think well if half the people working for these big companies aren't going to be in 10 or 15 years maybe i could bring a whole new level of value to them on that journey and and when you think about it there aren't many companies out there today saying we do wealth creation you know right. where we give financial advice and career advice that moves hand in hand and and at the same time sarah i've seen some of the work we've been able to do you know, you know, whether it's been an executive at P&G who all of a sudden tops out, maybe good friend of theirs gets the big job and they didn't. Yeah. And they're they're wrestling with, what do I do, do next? I do, do I stay at this great company called Procter & Gamble or, you know, do I meet this lifelong ambition to, to go head up this function at another company? Right. And we've gotten very good at counseling people through that. And saying, well, you know, financially, what's this mean? Can we replace the stock options and restricted stock that you have? Can we get even a better financial opportunity for you? How do we continue to grow you through, you know, a different career path? And uh, it's extremely rewarding work. We're having a blast doing it.
0: So if you were somebody in a transition phase right now, because you are really good with people who are in transition. I enjoy it. You do. It is it is your gift Thank to the you. world. Thank you. What would you recommend they do?
1: You, you know, Sarah, I think the big thing that we're asking people to do right now is even if you're not in a transition, yeah. the, the, the question is, do you have a clear path that you're going down? And so... We, we kind of start it with a financial question because that's interesting to people. Yes. We'll say to them. That's the hook. It, it, well, in, in a way it is. Because the is. minute you say to somebody, hey, what's your plan to double your income? They they look at you like. What, what the
0: what, hell? That's we, not going to
1: happen. Yeah. How am I going to do that? And then we go back and say, you probably have already done it three or four times you just don't recognize that you've right. done it. Right. So all we're asking you to do is to be very intentional.
0: Around doing it going forward.
1: Bingo. And how do you double the value that you bring to the marketplace? Right. And there's a pretty easy formula or process for us to follow to guide people through that. Now, sometimes, Sarah, in the course of going through that – and, and and again, I'm going to give credit to Dan Sullivan for this concept. That's um, strategic coach. That's strategic coach, and and it, it's interesting when I go back and look at the last few years. I've I've been formed a lot by a combination of Dan Sullivan and John Maxwell. Maxwell, Maxwell's right. had a big impact. But they, um, in in Sullivan world, they they talk about, um, you know, the, the what is it, the four. Oh, I got to get this right, Sarah. So, so it's it's freedoms—the four freedoms. Okay. It's freedom of money. Yes. Freedom of time, freedom of relationship, and freedom of purpose. And so, at any point in time, people usually have one of those four things that they're really trying to get a breakthrough on. Mm. But there's trade-offs. They Do have, have to navigate Do you have any right now that you're it. trying
0: to get a breakthrough
1: on? Oh, I think I'm 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 very much going into freedom of purpose. Okay. You know, because when I go back and look, I, the freedom of money got nailed. Do you want to know what mine is? What is it?
0: What do you think it is? S-
1: Sarah, I, I think you want to help people so much. I think you have an interesting combination of freedom of purpose, but I also think that you're someone that needs to be validated in the marketplace. And so I'm watching both. Yeah. Is that fair?
0: Yes, for sure, purpose is always there, but the financial is probably the last five years. I'm like, I want to focus on that.
1: And, and, and it's it, it's so funny because it's the great fooler. If you focus on the money, you'll never get it. Isn't that an interesting yeah, concept? Yeah, but, but
0: you just said that intention, you want to have that intention. What,
1: what, but it, But it's really interesting. If you focus on how do I bring more value to the marketplace, the money shows up. If you focus on "I want to just make more money," it'll never show up. It's so incredibly elusive. And so, one of the first things we have to train the mind to think about is talk about who you're going to be a hero to. Yeah, talk about where you're uniquely gifted. Fill that form out. (laughs) I do. We talk about how do you bring unique value to other people, and and you'll know you're there because the money just kind of it yeah, easily it shows up and you get surprised by it but the minute somebody says well i'm going to focus on the money i go then you won't get there it's almost like this little you know trick that god put in place you know that you know and, unless you follow his rules and 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 you think about universal law and you think about you know how am i uniquely gifted
0: i think it comes back to the gifts have to co- coincide with that piece if you which i know is yeah, the hero. But I, you know, remember all that, like the secret and all that kind of stuff? And it was mm-hmm. always like, I want to have a million dollars. Sure. The biggest lie that I think everybody told themselves was that you didn't have to align your God given talents or strengths with that. <laughs> Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. All you have to do is watch America has talent, and and, and you see why why you just can't become anything.
0: Right. <laughs> right. I'm not a juggler.
1: Yeah. That's exactly. Right. The other thing that we're finding, Sarah, and this is a really important part of the journey, is you need to understand what your core values are. Right. And and so this is where um, I I look back at Dad's journey and Chuck's journey. Yeah. And I think they were here to teach me. And, and here's what I think they were here to teach me about. I think my father never really understood where he was gifted. Yeah. And I think that allowed him to make the career mistakes that he made. I think in my brother's case, I think it was a much more difficult story because I think the family culture yeah. did not necessarily support where he was gifted where and was i he think gifted? that so he was he was very mechanical
0: and that was not okay like it was it, it, that was more blue collar and it was more white collar was accepted
1: it, it, and it was interesting sarah if i think he had lived longer he he had a bill gates kind of personality hmm. where he was just very technically savvy yes but for whatever reason that just wasn't recognized in our family culture as, as a gifted area. And yeah. and, and we see this, and, and it's interesting, we see this in Cincinnati. Um, lots of people think that the best thing that ever could happen to you is to be born into a wealthy family. And I'm gonna tell you, I don't see it that way at no. all. And, and in fact, so often what we watch is the person that generated the wealth in that family, if the family isn't careful, they will deify that person. Mm-hmm. And that person's values then will become what you're supposed to become. Yeah. And the problem is so often our gifts don't line up or the times have changed. And the way that you have to deploy those gifts need to be different. So it's a great example where what you know can actually get in the way. And and so a big part of the journey we take people on is to say, Let's take these gifts that we've identified for you and talk about the family culture that you grew up in and where will that culture help and where will it get in the way. Mm -hmm. And we actually have to guide them through how do you become more intentional about your core values so that you value these unique gifts that you have.
0: Well, and what I also love is sharing those core values with your partner because – they could also be a little different or similar, but at least then you have that awareness. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So my last question is, Yeah, you are such a futuristic thinker. Holy Stevens, you are so <laughs> futuristic. What um, should our listeners know or be prepared for or how they should respond to some things that are going to be happening in the marketplace in the p- upcoming years?
1: Boy, I love that question. So- um, we just got finished sponsoring an event called Live to Lead Cincinnati. Right. And I
0: went, it was really good. Th-
1: thank you. Mm-hmm. And and our as- my aspiration will be to bring this event to Cincinnati for the next 10 years. And there's a reason why we're doing this right now, Sarah. Alarmingly. Yes. Per capita income in Cincinnati isn't up in 25 years. It's crazy. And and what it means is that we're not adding value for each other.
0: Mm.
1: And and it's baked into how we think. And so you you start to ask the question if we put a challenge out there and said, Cincinnati, it's time to dream again. What's your personal plan to double your per capita income over the next 10 years? And and maybe if it doesn't fit for you, you know, what's the plan for you as a couple? Or what's the plan for you with your kids or your grandkids? Yeah. But we, we have to break out of this cycle. And and Sarah, here's what we know. To break the cycle, you have to change how you think. And to change how you think, you have to change your belief system. Right. And so we're going to talk an awful lot about do we really believe that we can be successful. That we can be more than we are today. That we can double that income. And then the beauty of it is, once your belief system starts to change, your attitude your,
0: yeah gets and your so much better, right?
1: Yeah, and you go from this scarcity to a much more abundance mindset. And then your attitude supports that. And then the beauty of that is, once you get your attitude centered, then it's so much easier to go form the good habits and frankly get rid of the bad habits. And then that's where we really see things start to kick in because your day-to-day routines will start to change, your outcomes will start to change. And so, and you could tell I'm so revved about this. I know. And 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 I think we can do so much better than what we're doing. And and I had several calls to action coming out of that conference and one of my favorite yes is and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the nonprofit world. I think we have a significantly generous community in Cincinnati, but we also have a underfunded yes. nonprofit environment yeah. in Cincinnati.
0: We're not paying
1: them what they're worth. We, we we aren't, Sarah. And it's a shame because I'm watching talented people either leave Cincinnati yeah. because they can't get paid fairly as, as part of their nonprofit world, or we're we're basically watching families go through real financial stress because somebody in the family decided to work in a nonprofit.
0: So so what's the call to action?
1: Oh, uh, the call to action is beautiful. We we want people that work in the nonprofits to come to us and say, help me help my nonprofit. And what we're asking to do is give us an audience with the board, give us an audience with the director, let us come in and talk about how do we change the mindset and how do we change the business model for this nonprofit so that we can afford to pay everybody a competitive and fair wage?
0: And what if I don't work at a nonprofit? What's my call to action? Well, Not related to nonprofits. Uh,
1: Sarah, I'm always back to what's your plan to double your income? That's it, man. Yeah. Love and it. And if
0: you need help with planning, we're going to have John's website <laughs> in the podcast notes. You are the best.
1: Sarah, thank you.
0: Thank you for being on the show today. I have
1: such a blast being with you. What a great day.
0: So you may know that our Patreon page is live, but what you might not know is that we recently added a new perk, early access to every Failing Forward episode. As a reminder, Patreon is a donation platform, and by becoming a donor, you help us grow and market the show. Plus, you get bonus content like our monthly newsletter and the Face Your Fears Toolkit. And now, with a pledge of $2 or more, you can stream new episodes before anyone else can. So donate today by visiting failforwardpod.com. I want to thank our sponsor, Corporate Consciousness, and everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at FailForwardPod.